congregation for coming out to hear, to sing, to pray, and to be what God wants you to be. I mean, you know, God's got a mission for you here today. Amen. All right, let's pray together. Lord, as we look at your word today, speak to our hearts. Challenge us, oh God, to move from where we are to where it is you would have us be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are in part four of our sermon. It's time to get up. Uh, today, we will continue our study in the life of Joseph. Let me ask you this. How many of you use your phone for direction? How many of you just listen and do what it tells you to do? If it says, get off this exit, you get off at the end. If it says, turn left, you turn left. If it says, take the second right, you take the second right. Okay, why do you blindly follow these instructions without thinking about it? Matthew 
said, Father, if it is possible, let this come pass from me. But not my will, your will be done. And as a result of his obedience to the Father, he ends up receiving a death sentence. I want us to realize that God said no to Joseph's prayers. God said no to Jesus' prayers. That means God is going to say no to some of our prayers. And how many of you know we'll be in good company when he does it? And God does it not because God is mean or God is angry or God is disappointed with us. God simply knows what's ahead. And we don't. Will we trust God for guidance as much as we trust our cell phone or Siri for direction? When Joseph is put in that prison, once again the favor of God is upon his life. And it's not long before Joseph has risen to the top level in the prison. Scripture says, the prison Lord put Joseph in charge of everything that went on in the prison. Now think about it. Joseph did all the work, but the prison warden got the paycheck. And he got the accolades for what a great job of how the prison is being run. <laughs> I mean, you know, God must have a sense of humor. That certainly doesn't seem fair to me. No matter where Joseph goes, God blesses his administrative skills and his ability to solve problems. Joseph has such a desire, though, to get home that he can't see. God just might have a plan and a purpose for him there in Egypt. Now, one thing about Joseph is <laughs> he doesn't overlook Joseph had to come there and tell his dream, and he explained what it was he had dreamed. 
let me tell you what my dream was. And when he told Joseph the dream, Joseph probably hesitated to give him the answer. How do you feel when you have to give somebody some really bad news? Are you tempted to try to break into them real gently? Or tempted to make it sound as though it's not as bad as it sounds? Or do you
the true cause of our sin without Jesus. Has your name been written in the Lamb's book of life? When they open that book, will they see your name already there? Well, in three days, the guards came to get the cupbearer and the baker. Pharaoh was celebrating his birthday. Cupbearer got his job back, and the baker was executed, and his body put on a pole. Now, isn't it strange how God works? Think about it. Here you got unbelievers who don't even know God, and God gives them a dream about what's going to happen in their future. Here's Joseph, who's trying to serve God, and God hasn't given him a dream in 11 years. And it doesn't even look like that dream is going to become a reality. And the scripture says the cup bearer very quickly forgot about Joseph. Now some of us look at that and we say, that man ought to be ashamed of himself. But let me ask you something. Suppose you got fired by your boss when he was real angry and upset with you. How many of you would like to bring that incident back to his remembrance to help somebody that you really don't even know? Oh yeah, boss, you remember that time you fired me, threw me out of here, told me never to come back? I just got a favor I want to ask. <laughs> Looks a little bit different that way. Not only does he forget Joseph, Joseph is in prison for two more years. Nobody is talking about Joseph outside those prison walls. He's never had a family visit. New life in Calgary hasn't been invented yet, so we're not sending offerings to him while he's in jail. Nobody knows he, whether or not he's even alive as far as his family is concerned. And suffering, once again, is his companion. And even though he's taken all this in stride, I wonder, what on earth is he thinking? I wonder if he's thinking, where is God except somewhere hiding from me? And then we get to chapter 41 and we discover, again, the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty is a big word, but what it means is God is free to do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, and he will use anybody he wants to use to get the job done, to carry out his will. And God can use any nation. Any leader he chooses. For some reason, God chooses to use Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt to continue a plan of salvation that God started a couple of hundred years earlier with Abraham and Sarah. You may recall, God told Abraham and Sarah, through their descendants, the whole world was going to be blessed. And it's through their descendants, that Jesus Christ is eventually going to come and be the Savior of the world. So God is here thinking of a plan that runs about 8,000 years. How many of you have even thought about 8,000 years from today? 
so bad you woke up. <laughs> but well, he had one of those dreams. And then when he fell asleep, he had a second dream. And it, <laughs> it really got his attention. It scared the daylight so out of them. And he was terrified by it. And he called in immediately all the magicians, all the wise men. And he told them the dream. And nobody could interpret it. I believe God must have had everybody's mind go blank. Because I know there was somebody that went alive and said, I know what it means. <laughs> Just to get some money. But I think God shut all of them out, put all of them in. And, and when everybody there in Pharaoh's court is about to give up hope for the dream, the cupbearer speaks up. And <laughs> he starts by saying, well, you know, Pharaoh, I, I hate to bring this up, but there was a time when you were upset with me and the baker and you threw us in jail and there was a Hebrew, the servant of the captain of the guard, who, after we both had a dream, he interpreted the dream and he, 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 exactly like he said it, it happened. He said I was going to get my job back and I did. Yeah. 
Four dreams for $5.95. He doesn't do that. He doesn't try to exalt himself. First thing he says is, I cannot do. And you hear everybody say, oh. What are we going to waste our time getting him for? Try to start out as somebody important. Pharaoh 
dwelling inside of a person is expressed. As I said earlier, Joseph is a type of Jesus. Remember when the Holy Spirit descended down upon Jesus? This is kind of that early view of what's going to happen to Jesus in the Old Testament. Now the answer to Pharaoh's question was obviously no. And so Pharaoh told Joseph, look, since God told you all this, you're wiser than everybody else. I'm going to put you in charge of my palace. You got the job. All my people are going to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. All of a sudden, all of Egypt has to bow their knee before Joseph. Joseph's life has been characterized by dramatic reversals. Not because he did the right thing all the time, but because God knew what was ahead for him, and God had a plan. It's taken 13 years to get out of that pit and into the palace. How many of you would mind doing that? How many of you have God said, I got a plan that's got you in the pit for 13 years, would be glad to take it? Now, the interesting thing about Joseph is he never dreamed and he never wanted to get into the palace. All he wanted was to just get back home to his father. I want us to see we can't limit what God might want to do through us. Joseph had no idea that going to Egypt was part of the salvation plan God had in mind, not just for Joseph and his family, but for a nation and ultimately for the world. I said two sermons ago that God is probably doing a hundred different things in our lives and we're probably aware of about three of them. God has greater things in mind for our lives than we can conceive of, and the same is true for our church. So why are we afraid to go after it? Why are we afraid to find out what God really wants us to do? Why are we told to even love our neighbors? Because our neighbors, they'd be part of the plan God has for our lives. You know, God, Joseph had lived faithfully for God for 11 years. But suppose that day when he saw those two prisoners in jail, he said, I got enough problems of my own. I ain't got time to be bothered with them boys. We never know when what seems to be inconsequential is really the hand of God putting us in place for something else. Joseph's reversal was dramatic. He walked out of a prison and into a palace and came out of the palace with every knee in Egypt bowing down to his authority. There was another reversal that happened just as dramatic. Jesus Christ was taken down from a cross and buried into a tomb. And the gates of hell and death itself, he was bound. But on the third day, death could not hold him down. And you see this reversal taking place. God raises him from the dead, and he did declare, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
dramatic reversal. The writer of Hebrews tells us that it is appointed to us once to die, and then comes to the judgment. You know, up until the point of death, we have the deciding vote as to where our future is going to be for all of eternity. If we give our lives to Jesus Christ, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we go from being a condemned sinner to being a child of God. We are received into heaven as one whose sin death has been paid in full by the death of Jesus Christ. But if we insist on getting our own way and getting what we deserve, our bodies still go through a reversal. It goes from a body of flesh to an immortal body. A body that will endure pain and suffering in the lake of fire without even burning up. Because we have rejected the only means by which God guaranteed that we could escape. Nobody goes to heaven because they were a good person. And nobody goes to hell because they were a bad person. God knows the future and tells us how to get to where we would like to end up. You know, with your phone, you tell Siri, I'm going to 497 East 200 West Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And when you do that, that's where she gives you directions to. The same with God. God is saying, I'll give you the directions to where it is you want to go. But we need to ask, where do I really want to spend eternity? And then when the directions come back on our phone, we can either say, I don't really like your directions. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friend, I thank you. Why on earth would you choose to go to hell when you have the opportunity to choose the provision that God has already made for each of our lives? It was Jesus that said, Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are they who travel upon it. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few find it. I ask us all today, both here in this place and those of us online, which road are you traveling on today? God knows where both of them end up. Let's pray. God, if there's one here today or one listening, one online, that does not know you as Lord and Savior of their life, God, show them not only your love, but also the peril they are in. Help us realize that choosing to follow your Son, Jesus Christ, not like choosing this car or that car or this house or that house. This is the decision that will be with us 
depends upon the decision we make concerning Jesus Christ. I pray, O oh God, that you would help us to see that following Christ is a lifetime commitment and that it's not something we should do lightly in Jesus. Let your spirit move in each of our hearts. Show us, O oh God, where we have fallen short this day, that we might remove the sin that keeps us separated from you. God, we want to be the people of God who call us to be. We want to be the church that you call us to be. We want to bow down at the name of Jesus now. So that when we have died, it's just second that you do us. We willingly surrender ourselves to you. Thank you for the name of Jesus. For there is no other name given by which we must be saved.